Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday, on the Athletic Podcast Network. For the actual host, you know what I mean? Because I'm, I just want to be able to just, I just want to be able to just, I just want to be able to just, I just want to, in my past life, like I said, I was you. In my past life, like I said, I was you. I was you. I was you. What you are now? That's what I'm up past here. Life. Like I said, I'm same mentality. I'm getting to a spot. I'm raising up. I'm getting to a, a, a bucket. My footwork is impeccable. I have length. I'm able to shoot over top. Hold, hold the volume, and I don't see people. I, 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 do you not feel the same way? In my past life, like I said, I was you. I do sometimes, but I'm just saying I don't think that's good for the continuity of our offense if our point guard always want to be it underneath the rim. You know what I'm saying? Bruh. New York strip steak? Ooh. This is the Basketball Buds. Braised beef short ribs? Dang! With Zach Harper and your favorite athletic writer. Get mad at me, bro. I'm gone. I'm telling you, man, I would whip Floyd Mayweather's ass. <laughs> Welcome to another Basketball Buds edition. Is it Basket Buds or Basketball Buds? I never, I don't host this show. It's Basket Buds. All right. Basket, Basket Buds, motherfucker. Edition of the right. Athletic NBA show. I am uh, filling in for Zach this week. I'm, of course, Dave. We've got Waz. we got Trey. we got Jay King. All the usual suspects. And we've got Rich Hoffman. Rich, uh, welcome to Buds. Happy to be back, Dave. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know why you're not here more often. For some reason, we have Jay King. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I, I said Come we should have had man. Rich. I said we should have had Rich. <laughs> I, I, I mean, concur. You know? That was a rich joke. Yeah. We got the we got the faults in the faults Tatum train. Uh, so, <laughs> we were we were talking about Damn. a way to... Is that because yeah. Jay is just, like, stuttering at all times? He just can't get his answers out, I think he's out, been basically. traded to Orlando, yeah. uh, actually. So, um we were uh, we were trying to figure out a way to talk about the Eastern Conference and kind of preview the season and our expectations without just running through the teams and you know ah, the the Orlando Magic signed some sixteenth guy. What it, does that does that make a difference? So we came up with ten questions about the Eastern Conference to kind of blow through our thoughts and get them out there. And so it's a lot to go through. So let's jump right in guys. Uh, Waz, I'm going to start here with you. Are we crazy for not having Miami as the favorites to make the finals? Because, you know, obviously they just had a great run in the bubble, made the finals, made the bucks look like a team that, you know, was more like an eight seed instead of a one seed. But I don't think anyone sees Miami as an overwhelming favorite to make it back to the finals. Are we all wrong? I would say so. Um, even though in the Eastern Conference Finals, they had the point like they uh, lost the sort of point differential battle in that seven game series. I think they're still better than Boston. Obviously, they kicked Milwaukee's ass up and down the court on both sides of the ball in that series. And I say all of that to say I don't think any of those teams got better. Um, some people might say Drew Holiday is this amazing addition. And he's going to save their lives and he's going to make sure Giannis wants to return and all of that. I, I actually disagree. Um, I strongly disagree. I like Drew Holiday. You know, um, I think he's a good player. I just don't think 
he fundamentally changes how the Bucks operate, right? Like they're still oh, going to depend I, on Giannis I don't to know, create from 50 feet from the basket in playoff games. I, I don't think he solves their main problem, which is Giannis having to be the only person to initiate offense for them against quality playoff defenses. Maybe y'all like Drew Holiday as a half-court um, initiator and conductor against great set defenses. I don't, because if he was that dope, they would have been killing people in New Orleans. Um, and so I, I just don't think Miami's opponents have gotten better. And I think they'll be just as good as last year with improvements from a lot of their young guys, including both Bam and Tyler Hero. So, yeah, I think the Heat are the favorite, and I think it's kind of it's they're clearly the favorite, in my opinion. Now, see, let me push back just a little bit on this Drew Holiday thing, because I don't think that he was brought in to be a primary initiator. Now I'm with you that I think that they, if they could have found that guy, that would have been a good move. But, but hold on, Dave, that means you think what they did last year, how they operated offensively is fine. The framework is fine. And I fundamentally disagree with that. I think that it was fine in the regular season. And I think when they got to the playoffs, when they got to the playoffs, certainly they had a little bit of trouble offensively, but it was their defense. That, that was eviscerated by Miami. They weren't doing the things they needed to do. They didn't adjust their game plan to take advantage of their length and their size inside. I mean, they were just getting dusted. I think Drew Holiday helps with that a lot. Unless, I mean, unless I'm wrong about Drew Holiday's defense. Do, do any of you guys want to jump in here or, or are you guys all Drew Holiday apologists? No, see, I, 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 I was going to say I'm pro Drew Holiday at this point. I don't think that it's laid out for Miami. Um, you know, the team that was healthy enough to get to the finals aren't as healthy as they are going into this. You got Goran Dragic, who was a huge factor in the in the bubble. It's kind of banged up, got a loyalty deal. They lose Jay Crowder. I mean, they added some some tough, tough defenders, you know, and Avery Bradley. And they signed a couple other guys. Um, I know the Tyler Arrow's uh, stock is truly high, but again, I think the East is, 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 is wide open more than anything than anybody being sitting at the top um, and can be predictable. I like Philly more than anybody. The Heat are, are really interesting to me because I think some of the things that really made them great in the playoffs last year could be a little off this year. Like Goran mm-hmm. Dragic is 34, coming off his injury in the finals, and he's never really played as well as he did in the bubble in his entire career. So I'm not I don't expect him to play at that level again. Jay Crowder's gone. He was a big piece to what they did. Tyler Hero. I think the Jay Crowder thing is definitely important because he shot like 45% from three. <laughs> he was nuts on catching shoots, which is like that's and that crazy volume too, right? Like he's right. taking like eight threes a game. Um, that's just they're gonna miss that. Mm-hmm. Even if it wasn't replicable, I don't think. Um, but they're definitely gonna miss that. Yeah, but I do think Bam has just another level to reach. And and that's what's gonna make them better is Bam, like I don't think he's really even begun to realize how good he can be as a scorer, as a playmaker, as a finisher. Like that guy has just another leap in him, I think. And I think that's what's going to make Miami so tough this year. Well, look, this is a great point to jump to our next question because it's it's a good follow up here. I think from, from Waz's point about the bucks, because the next question is, did the Bucks do enough to solve their problems? Like, is Drew Holiday enough 
to make them the team that could win in the playoffs. I mean, so clearly this is a question that was on my mind was, yeah. I think that they did. Rich Hoffman, what do you think about the Bucks, man? Like, is Drew Holiday the piece that they were missing? I mean, certainly he's going to get more respect from defenses than Bledsoe did. Yeah, I mean, he's not Eric Bledsoe. And so, I mean, we've seen that story, I don't know, how many times in the playoffs, and it's just been a disaster. So I would say that I am probably more with Waz on this. I just wonder if Drew Holiday is like enough as like a half court initiator. Like what, what does he shot his career from three 35%? Like it's, it's good. Defenses will respect him more. He definitely had that, uh, that playoff series a couple years ago against uh, Portland. So he, he does have a level to reach, but I mean, I, I just wonder like if, if that is the, the main move, I, I would like this team more if the Bogdanovich trade had, uh, had gone through, that would tell me that they would have kind of more half court initiators, more hands to play than they have had in recent years where it's just been Giannis and shooting and that hasn't worked in the playoffs. So I, I would say that I am not sure, um, that holiday would put them over the top, but like to Trey's point before that, like I think the East is wide open. This could be four or five teams could get through, um, and so, yeah, I would have kind of Miami as the the best of that group until everybody else proves it. But, yeah, I just haven't seen like Drew. Drew he's just not the most efficient scorer I, I've seen. I, I'm not sure he puts them over the top, especially because their depth has taken a hit this year. Also, think, Dave, as you mentioned, it, it Drew Holiday doesn't change their defensive framework. Bledsoe was awesome. When you got these big, plotting-ass yeah. bigs who want to stand by the basket all day while Duncan Robinson is raining threes on your freaking head, that hasn't changed. <laughs> They're not any more switchable than they were last year. They're doing the same thing with the same coach. Yeah, the coaching piece. I, now, hold on. Now, that coach is the issue, right? <laughs> So the coaching piece matters, man. If this, if they had gone out and switched from Budenholzer to somebody else, I would feel more confident about the Bucks' playoff chances. I'm not sure Budenholzer has what it takes to build this Milwaukee team into the flexible playoff ready team that it's going to need to be against the Miamis in the East. It's two two straight years. The Milwaukee Bucks have gotten to the playoffs and just gotten blasted because they're too rigid and they're not ready for the playoffs. And Budenholzer, he's going to need to change. And he's clearly been very, very, very hesitant to do that so far. And if he doesn't do that, even with Drew Holiday, I don't think they have a shot. What do you think about the fact that they lost so much so much depth? Do you think that's going to make them better in the playoffs? Like, Trey, it's hard to, to not play Giannis 35 minutes when you just don't have anybody who could play behind him. Yeah, I mean, Bud's going to have to figure that out. I mean, I know it was kind of monitored minutes throughout the season and, you know, during the, during the playoffs and things of that nature before he got hurt. And I mean, he got to let him go at this point. You know what I mean? Like injury history, whether it's just a system that they're running at this point is boss to the wall. And, and aim for it. And I'm still kind of upset at him and his non, I mean, it's nonchalant. It's not championship or bust. They have a chance to lose one of their biggest um, players in franchise history since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Giannis, you know, with this, him not signing extension. So they have no cushion to be relaxed, you know, and with the whole bogey Bogdan, you know, situation falling apart, 
it it hasn't it hasn't been great for them, you know, and and I feel like they need to have some sense of urgency as an organization. I can't believe Trey just uh erases big dog Glenn Robinson like that. Uh Jay King, question for you. Our Ooh. third question. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Does Boston need another leap from Jason Jason Tatum? Yeah, they lost Gordon Hayward. That's huge. They their wing depth all of a sudden has evaporated. Do they need Jason Tatum to be like a top five player to actually make the finals? Yeah, but I mean that's always been historically. If you look at the best teams in the league and the teams that win the championship, they almost always have a top five guy. And so, yes, the Celtics need another leap from Jason Tatum, but I don't think that's anything like totally surprising they will miss Hayward though what made them so tough to stop when they were healthy was that they had three six seven six eight wings who could do everything they could switch they could shoot they could initiate offense they could score and and without Hayward that formula isn't quite the same their depth behind Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart on the wings is a bunch of like young guys who have never really proven it so at the same time, like Hayward didn't really play in the playoffs. And when he did play against Miami, he was damaged goods. He was still hurt with a sprained ankle. So I think from a what their playoff roster was, they m- might have upgraded to Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson from Brad Wanamaker and Ennis Cantor. But like now they've got Kemba Walker injury concerns that are lingering. And so I think Tatum's going to have to be great. I think Jalen Brown is going to have to be an all-star for the Celtics to, to really have a chance to be title contenders. Jay, what would you, you guys- rate um, um, Jason Tatum's playoff um, performance last year? That was weird because I never felt like he really played great. And then at the end of the day, he averaged 25, 10 and five. And, and so like, he was really good. But especially like crunch time against the Heat, I felt like Jimmy Butler owned those moments. Bam out of bio owned those moments. And OG OG did pretty good against them. Yeah. When he was when he was actually matched up against him, you saw they were running the actions to get OG the hell up off of him. Yeah. And, and so so that, that's a I mean, at the same time, like he averaged five assists. His career high in assists was like three. And so so he showed some things that he's never really shown before in a playoff setting. And he did that while, while never really like shooting particularly well from behind the arc, which is normally his thing. So I, I think that it, it was like somewhat promising playoff runs, somewhat like, okay, he still has more to go. But 
he's only 22. I, I think it's it's pretty clear there's there's a, another level for him to reach. I just don't know exactly how high that'll be. Well, I think that's a good point, Jay, is that he's 22. And this was the first time where he was the lead guy offensively. Kemba, Kemba wasn't Kemba. Right? Yeah. Kemba, <laughs> Kemba wasn't Kemba. Jason Tatum had a lot more attention on him. He had to make more plays. I, I thought he was up and down as far as like his his overall offensive game, but I thought as a playmaker, it's about as good as I've seen him. He was drawing fouls too mm-hmm. in those series, which I think is the next step for him as a scorer, getting some of the cheap points that uh, that some of the better scorers in the league has because he does have that step back three. You know, he has a little bit of an in between game. I think that would be key for him. Jay, I'm kind of curious. Why did they sign Tristan Thompson? Because last year in that spot, it was Ennis Cantor, and they didn't trust Robert Williams or Grant Williams last year at least. And to have 48 minutes now of versatile center defense with Tyson Thompson, I think they saw as a really big deal. Their their priority was to get to retain Gordon Hayward and to keep him around. And by the time Hayward signed with Charlotte, a lot of the top wings were off the board. So even if they had wanted to go sign a good wing, like like there just weren't many options left at that stage of free agency. So I'm not sure if if they would have gone after a, a top wing otherwise, but there just weren't any available. And so I think they saw Thompson as an upgrade at center, especially defensively. And it'll be it'll be big for them to have 48 minutes of of good centers, and then Thompson gives them a level of physicality they didn't have at that position last year. Losing Watermaker is is really going to hurt, especially with the Kemba situation. All right, question number four, Trey. Have we all jumped off the Toronto Raptor bandwagon too early? Um, I wouldn't say that, but I would raise the eyebrow. I know uh, Kyle Lowry's not playing right now. He got a chance to stay back on some vet stuff. Um, all eyes are on Pascal Siakam, you know, um, because at this point, you know, everybody was saying that, you know, they bought it the stock high and then kind of fizzled out in a bubble. And hopefully, I mean, they're out the bubble now, but they're playing in a certain system. But now teams have made um, adjustments to make him the prime focus. And I, I'm curious to see how he responds to it. Does he raise his play back to all-star level like he, like he had this previous season? Or is he just kind of taken out and, you know, Kyle Lowry has to carry this team? I know Fred Van Vliet is going to be have some heavy usage now. Um, and that and that should be interesting. But the growth of OG Abdenabi and you know, you look at the depth and you know, losing Serge Ibaka and you can go down the line. I mean, I don't I don't know how much you know with the front court with Baines and, and things like that. I like Baines there, you know, being added to the front court, but I just think that they've taken a step back. Can you say OG's last name again, please? <laughs> well, Abdenobi. <laughs> Is that right? It's Ananobi. 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 Shout out to Yeah, him. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, here's I got a couple of, a couple of points. I, I think the Baines point is a good one. The the drop off from Bain, from Gasol to Baines, I don't think is that great from a physical standpoint. I mean, as a matter of fact, Baines will at least shoot threes. You don't have to worry about that. It's the the defensive IQ part. It's the quarterback in the defense, and Bain is Baines is pretty good at that, but he's not like Marcus Saul, defensive player of the year level guy. 
Dave, would you would you consider the Raptors the the Blazers of the East, where they're they're counted out and then they're kind of like always in the mix? Well, that keeps happening. I, I do think that losing Surge is a big deal, right? Like they're they're less versatile as far as uh, their rim protectors go. Now they're going to be relying on Chris Boucher to be that guy. I don't know if he's ready for that. I mean, whether he's whether whether he's ready or not, he's going to have to prove it. I mean, I like like Wa said, I like Chris Boucher, but. Yeah, that's, that's a hard stock to just go all in on. He does. He's, stuff. A, he's an athletic dude. Like he, if he can actually get his head screwed on right as far as understanding positioning on defense, he could be crazy. But Waz, you just said it. Defense. That's why they're all. That's why they're always in the mix. They're always in the mix because they play defense. So I won't count them all the way out. I do see them making the playoffs, but I just don't know how how deep they go. I think OG is probably going to wind up being in the most improved player conversation, even though I still, you know, personally think that that's. They're too not going to be minutes career. away from the conference finals this year. Exactly. I don't think so. They're not in that. Think- they're not in that top tier. I think they lo- They dropped enough that that they're like unlikely to make the conference finals. Last year, obviously, they had a good run, and and I think that they had a good chance. But this year, I just don't see it. I, I don't believe in it. I thought last year before the season, I was looking at all of their guys. Kyle, well, not all of them, but Kyle, Ibaka, and Gasol as guys that could potentially be moved, right? Right. And obviously, Gasol and Ibaka left in free agency this season. Um, So it was obvious that they weren't part of the long-term plans. This is why I thought they could be moved. Mm -hmm. Um, What do we think about Kyle's chances of being moved? Because Kyle is the kind of guy I think would swing the pendulum for Pretty much any one of these these high caliber playoff teams, like he would be incredible in Denver. He would be incredible as a Clipper. He would be incredible as a Lake. He'd be well, incredible on any if the one Bucks of these got high Kyle playoff Lowry, teams. It would it would answer Ooh. a lot of the questions we have about them, right? <laughs> and, and it's a good point that you make because you know he's older than people realize because he you know he had those years where he didn't play a whole lot. He kind of bounced around a little bit. He is an expiring contract. They did just sign Fred Van Vliet. They got Malachi Flynn, who might be a player coming off the bench. I mean, I'm with you. I think if things don't go well, nobody should be surprised if they trade Kyle Lowry. As crazy as it seems. Yeah. I I mean, I I understand what you guys are saying. I agree. Like, I think they logically should take a step back with their offseason moves just because it seems like they're, they're still holding out for Giannis, which... I think like Giannis, if uh, if he takes a long time to sign that uh, that supermax, if he does end up staying in Milwaukee, like him dragging it out is kind of it's like holding these teams hostage. They they, they haven't been able to add to their roster um, just because they want to keep money off the books next year. The one thing I will say is just Toronto, like Nick Nurse, whatever he did last year, I've never seen a team like play that hard over an entire season and just do all of the little things, execute the scheme. I mean, they were. They were like the fourth best point differential in the league. I'm looking at their record, 53 and 19. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they can afford to take a step back and still be, I don't well, know. Like the they had that amazing, the amazing luck of winning a title and being completely discounted right after, right? The second Kawhi left, everybody wrote him off. And so they kind of, you know, I think as a coach, you're able to tap into that a little bit. They clearly have a lot of talent, but that extra something that they had, I think it was, you know, they had that chip on their shoulders. I, I think what was what was huge for them last year, they were basketball geniuses, man. Like, they had so much intellect on that roster with Gasol and Lowry 
and Van Vliet's super smart. OG Ananobi defensively is super smart. Surge, too. So I think they took a step back IQ-wise. And then the, their biggest weakness to me is that they still don't have that guy who can get you a bucket against a great defense. And and Lowry and Van Vliet are both great, and Siakam was great for most of last season. But I don't trust any of those guys to get a bucket against a great defense when it matters. And that that's why I can't take them totally seriously as contenders, even though they still do have a lot left. Maybe it's OG. All right, question five. Waz, is Brooklyn going to have enough defense to be the one seed in the East? Like, we know that they're going to score, or at least we're assuming they're going to score. But are they going to be able to play any defense at all? It's interesting. Um, <laughs> they're, the, the, the guy, DJ, who was packaged with KD and Kyrie for some reason, um, <laughs> you know, he, he, still has, <laughs> he still has a defensive reputation. I don't know that he's that guy anymore. I think Jared Allen is just better than him in pretty much every single facet of the game at this point. Uh, but will he get the minutes to prove that? I don't know. Um, and also, I think some of their guys, like for like Joe Harris, no, he's not gonna, he's not defending anybody, and that's not just me doing the white shooter thing. He's just eh. he's not gonna defend. I sense a little white guy bias. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you know the funny thing is I think guys like Dinwiddie and Levert actually have the talent to play good defense at their positions. Right? They might be a little slight, but they're so quick and um, instinctual. They have the talent to do it, I, but I don't know that they profile as guys who come in and say, all right, we have KD and Kyrie to, to carry the offensive burden. Let's switch our, our focus to becoming menace, menaces and pests on defense. I don't see that for them. And so, yeah, Dave, I think they're going to be a turnstile, but if if everything clicks correctly, they could be an all-time type of offensive team, though. But I don't think they're going to guard anybody. Well, no, so that was a long way of saying no. Right. <laughs> and so, and one of the things that I'm super worried about, Rich, is, you know, KD was such a good defender. That backline help. I mean, the reason that that Warriors defense got to hit another level when he got there is because of how great he was behind Draymond. Well, if he's lost a step, which, you know, we should all assume he has – because of age and coming off the Achilles, I mean, what is their backline defense? I don't know, and it's uh, it's a good question. I'm sure Steve Nash is thinking about that. I I cannot wait to watch this team just because I do think there are going to be some times in the regular season when they're giving up like 120 and 130 points for like two consecutive weeks. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, even with their trades, you know, they add Landry Shamit. I think that's going to help juice their offense. You know, they have guys like Dinwiddie and Levert who can still get their shots. But I don't see. I mean, you know, you just go down. The depth chart here. Who is like the plus defender if it's not Kevin Durant, who, like you said, Dave, is coming off an Achilles injury? Like I, you would imagine, even if he is back to ninety percent or one hundred percent, which I hope he is, he's probably going to take it pretty easy on defense for a little while. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get stops. Um, I can't wait to see like the chemistry on this team. You know, if things start to go south. But as far as like the playoffs are concerned, w- with him and Kyrie. And some of the other guys that they have, I, I do think this team still has like a super high ceiling in terms of just like having guys who can get buckets against set half court defenses. All right. So all right, then let's talk about the offense just just briefly, even though, you know, we were talking defense. I will say this. I still don't think that the offensive fit is all that great. 
Levert and Dinwiddie are not great without the ball in their hands. I mean, as a matter of fact, I'd say Karis Levert is almost useless offensively without the ball in his hands. He, he's not a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's not really a great cutter. Even though he should have the tools for that, he's just not great at it. I, I think that they're going to have to make a trade if they have serious finals aspirations, which I, I don't know that they necessarily should. Yeah, and they have to hold out right now, right? Like, they can't make that trade yet because James right. Harden is still out there. And as long as James Harden is still out there, they can dream of adding Harden to this team. But if if it's not Harden, I do think they need to change the context of this roster to get better fits around Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, and just need, need some catch-and-shoot guys, anything like that. All right, Rich, I'm going to put you on the spot with the next question. Philly now has a roster that seems to make sense when you have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid out there. What should we consider successful for them? Because it has varied wildly for this team in the last few years. But what is a successful season now that you have, you know, pieces that kind of fit? Yeah, they do have pieces that that fit. It feels like they are back in the 27-18 range, you know, like they have Seth Curry, Danny Green, and Tobias Harris. That's like roughly what they had with Redick and Covington and uh, and Dario. Mm-hmm. And they just have a bunch of guys who can make catch and shoot shots around them, which, you know, they, for some reason they got away from that for a few years. I, I would say, Dave, that success for this team is I, I think they're a little bit short in terms of like making the finals, but at least being in that conversation again and, and getting back to playing normal basketball. I would say like maybe Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid improving their offensive games, which you would hope they would do with the spacing with Doc Rivers coming in. Um, I I think just like a return to normalcy (laughs) is kind of the thing. Like this team has been so dysfunctional on and off the court for the past couple of years. Just having a team that like can make it through this season and make sense the entire year. And I I do think they reasonably can do that. Like, I think it's reasonable for them to get rich. Do you have any questions about whether Embiid and Simmons can play together and thrive together? Or do you think it's just been all bad roster fit the last couple of years? No, I, I think it's a little bit of both. Now, the the roster fit last year, I mean, it was just horrendous. They had guys who didn't want to shoot threes around them. And, you know, these guys were good players, Josh Richardson, now Horford. But they, they really disregarded fit in a way that you can't do it in the NBA, especially because those guys and Beaton Simmons, they, they're still tough fits. They both do their best work around the basket. I still have questions of like, Ben Simmons, what are you doing for me in a playoff series? Um, are, are you able to be that half-court initiator that, that Jimmy Butler was? The answer right now is, is no. And Bede has always struggled in the playoffs. Like the, the post-up stuff just hasn't worked to that quite that extent. Um, so, like, yeah, I still have a question mark, which is why I think, like, you see kind of a wild divergence of opinions on this Harden thing, you know? I think if the answer is that they can't play together, I, you would – you would throw in to get Harden. But I, I mean, you still have Ben Simmons, who's what, 24 years old. He's, you know, he signed for five years. He's certainly gotten better on the defensive end. Um, but but he still hasn't shown that they can play together. And I, I will say that the one thing is they, they seem to have a better relationship off the court than they've had, which is important. Like, I think they, they genuinely like playing with each other. But, you know, to add to that, they need to, like, figure out how to actually make it work and whether that's Ben getting a three, whether that's Joe getting in better shape, they, they got to do something because, yeah, they're certainly a weird fit for two all-star players. Look, when you've got a defense that has Danny Green, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, that seems like a pretty good starting point. 
So they're yeah. going to be stingy. Thiebel. Don't forget about Thiebel, yeah, bro. Danny Green's going to play the Covington role. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got guys that can guard. It's all, all the questions are on the offensive end. And Trey, one of the big, the funniest things that have been coming out of the Sixers hey, camp. You really going to go every single episode with a Danny Green fanboy? Huh? Always. Always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Waz, you got to go back at him. Come on. No. I, I, I just, I just, hey. just amazing. I was like, wow, he really just. Stuck a Danny Green Every is going to be elite on defense. Huh? You would, you would ass- <laughs> honestly, man, you would assume I coached Danny Green at some point. I really do. I love, I love Danny Green. I think he's, he's your favorite NBA player he, of all time. He's, he's, he's not like, even close. He's in my top like ten. I think here is Bradley James. James going to the rim, kicks to the corner. Green a three to tie. He got it. We have overtime. I love, I, man, the 2014 Spurs nah, is the most beautiful I basketball I've ever seen played. So I, I love all those guys. But, but, but Trey, all right. So we know that they can guard. The funniest thing that's come out of camp is how how surprised these guys have been about pick and roll. Doc Rivers saying they were watching pick and roll clips on YouTube. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Like, what is this <laughs> offense going to look like, Trey? Why aren't they on synergy? I don't get. I don't know. I don't. It's Trey, I mean, you know, YouTube. Why not? I, I don't know. I think it's going to be very experimental, and they're going to try their best to to make it work. Obviously, they've improved in shooting, but I think they're just going to have to just play it by ear and see what really works. I think they're going to try to have a fast pace offense and not try to rely too much on the half court but if it comes to half court i can see it getting broken down by so much individual play but again they have shooters so maybe if mb shares the ball and kicks the rock out i think ben simmons will be able to find those shooters like seth curry and you know uh who's the other shooter that they added danny green Oh yeah, Danny Green. <laughs> so I mean, again, Danny Green's kind of inconsistent, and I'm not going to just jump on him. But uh, if he's knocking things down, I mean, I think they'll be in good shape, and they'll figure out what what works best for them. But hopefully, Doc doesn't try to recreate uh, that 08 Celtics team with every team that he's coached, you know. And I think that's that's been the issue. So if he can find something that really works with this unit and this group, then they have something. But I, I mean, I, I still have high hopes with, with Philly and that they can actually, you know, do something with this roster. Well, I luckily, do kind of think that the experience from that team could help with Simmons, though, because Rondo is such a strange player and strange fit that Doc's kind of gone through a lot of this stuff that he'll go through with Simmons to try to, you know, design an offense that works for him and for the team. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, obviously, they didn't, the Clippers didn't have a Rondo type player, you know, um, the, the point guard position was really kind of inconsistent with Pat Bev and, and Reggie Jackson. So um, at least, you know, you know, with Ben Simmons, you know what you're getting there, you know what I mean, with the non-shooter. Um, and then, like you said, it's similar to Rondo, um, early Rondo. So it, it, it may work out in his favor. My only worry about that is that I don't know if Doc will push him to expand his game in the way that he needs to be experimenting with. And I'm not a person that thinks Ben Simmons can't be a good basketball player without taking jump shots because that's clearly not the truth, right? Like he's pretty good as it is. But I I do think it's important for him to start exploring, you know, actually taking threes and actually taking shots when they're open. I mean, the the way he's being guarded, you can't even say he's being guarded because they just drop his guy 
into the paint when he's now at the he's being guarded line. by himself. Well, right. He is. He is. <laughs> it is the. I'm gonna go 0 for 30 before I go 0 for five. You know what I mean? Boy, boy, stra- he got himself in a straight jacket. He bro. really does. And so <laughs> I worry that Doc won't get him out of his comfort zone because that's I don't know on Simmons now. That's on Simmons, sure man. Be- well, I mean, his coach last year was begging him in the media to take one three a game. Begging, just one, and he wouldn't do it. So that, that's that's on Simmons, man. Like at some point, you just have to feel comfortable doing it yourself. At some point, like why, why wouldn't you just try it? Like you're right, Dave. He's already, you know, he made third team All NBA last year. He's going to make the All Star team for what, like six, seven more years at Defense least. Defense Player of the healthy. Year like, level guy. I mean, yeah, he's just awesome. Do it. But that's the most important part of it, and you have to step out of your comfort zone to uh, to achieve it. So yeah, one, one other small thing that I am excited for. Seth Curry, I think he could do a little bit of that two-man J.J. Redick stuff with Embiid. Um, and I think that could be a big source of their offense. I mean, he can move, man, and he definitely can shoot. Uh, all right, next question. Which of these teams are going to finish with the best regular season record? The Pacers, the Wizards, the Hawks, or the Magic Waz? I'm going to start with you here because I know how much you love the bottom of the East. Um, I know people just sort of have a blind respect for what the Pacers have done because they basically won every single year, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've been a competent team every single year, but I think they're going to take a step back. Um, I still am annoyed you, by their center rotation, what's happening with it. I'm annoyed by it, but I think we're going to get into that a little bit later. Um, and Atlanta has the best talent of everybody in that group by far, I think. Um, not by far, not like they're the freaking Lakers, but you know what I mean. I think they're clearly the most talented of that group, and I think they're gonna put it together. Like last year was Trey Trey Young, um, and a bunch of dudes who are NBA replacement level players. And when Trey Young sat, they I think they were scoring at like a a eighty seven offensive rating or something ridiculous like that, right? Uh, I think they're gonna have competent NBA guys on the floor for 48 minutes a game, and that's going to drastically improve their record. Uh, And plus, of course, I love Bogey. Um, I'm not as high on the Gallinari signing as everybody else. I'm not the biggest John Collins guy either, although I hear he's he's looking for a max extension. I just think having competent NBA players play all the time is going to do wonders for them. I mean, we already saw, I mean, not to take too much stock in a preseason game, but Trey was already doing stuff away from the basketball, which I think was the purpose of getting bugged on and bringing in And, and they, they were getting mad that Trey was hogging the ball. Who the hell was supposed to be creating offense on that team besides Trey Young last year? <laughs> I mean, look, John Collins is productive, right? Uh, plenty of people could could be low on him, but productive. You, can't, you can't I used argue. to hear the same thing about Whiteside, brother. <laughs> I think he's better than Whiteside. No, nah, he is. I, I'm yeah. just saying. But but I I think the Gallo signing, I'm with you. That just felt like it kind of came out of left field a little bit. I mean, you're going to pay a guy $20 million to bring him off the bench, allegedly. Does that make sense to anybody? I think they just wanted to get good players, man. And they right. added a lot of them. And it's not just the, the starters and the big name guys. It's like they got Rondo and Chris, Chris Dunn and like, like dudes who will actually help them fill out a good rotation, yeah. And so I, I'm with Waz here. Like they just got a Did lot you say better. Tony Snell. Tony Snell. If he just got a catch and shoot. If you fighting for Danny Green on this pod, Tony Snell has country. 
I Tony mean, Snell that's three-time NBA champion, Danny Green. Like, oh I'm sorry, God. Tony Snell's not, that was he's last not even decade. A, he's not even uh, a starter level player. Danny Green just won back-to-back titles. Tony <laughs> Snell, the God. God. I can't believe I'm sitting here yelling <laughs> about say, Danny Green. All I'm say about again. the Hawks is that they <laughs> had some pressure up top, and the GM did what he needed to do, and brought these guys in to 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 be one of the. I guess they can fill it up, but they're going to give up a lot of points as well. Yeah, they're going to give up a ton of points. I will say I do. I think that the Wizards are going to score a lot. I still don't think they're going to defend, but they're going to score enough. And and they may be neck and neck with the Hawks for wins just because they got Russ. I'm telling you, the- I'm just thinking about a Tony Snell, Danny Green one on one game. Now. Danny I'm Green not would sure cook anybody him. would score cook him. Nobody would score. It'd be like the NBA finals again with Danny Green going scoreless. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get off my guy, Danny Green. All right, all right, Rich. Uh, no, we're no, not no. gonna get derailed, Dave. We gotta stay That's on right. task. We gotta stay on I'll, task. We got too I'll, many questions. I want to bring it back to the Pacers though, because I'm with oh, okay. Waz a hundred percent on the Pacers. Yeah, they remind me of like the when the grit and grind Grizzlies decided they were gonna go pace in space, and they they got rid of Lionel Hollins and and just started using all the buzzwords, and it's like. Guys, your best players are Marcus Saul, Zach Randolph, and Tony Allen. You're not going to be like this three-point shooting team. With the Pacers, it's like they want to go pace in space. They're talking all this stuff about modern offense. Two of their best three or four players are still their centers. And mm-hmm. they played pretty well together. Nate McMillan got a lot out of that group. I just think there's some downside there. And I'm not even – we. You can factor in the Victor Oladipo weirdness of that situation and how he might, may or may not want out. I just think there's some downside there, and and they might learn that the the coach they let get away was doing a really good job. I mean, he was, but you know, he was not player friendly. I'll just say that. Uh, mm. All right, Rich, who is going to be the best rookie in the East? Well, I certainly say the most exciting rookie is going to be Lamelo Ball. Um, God, yeah, and I, you know what, I just like the the thing is he's going to have so many bad mistakes, and he he might shoot like twenty four percent from the field, but I, I do think like you saw in the the first preseason game, like some of the passes he throws are just like I don't see any other player in this rookie class having that ceiling. He's so, like a young Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> wow, jeez. I, I Don't saw do that, that to my boy. I saw that whole Michael Carter Williams rookie season. He he threw two or three passes in that game. I did not see once from Michael Carter the, Williams. Uh, I, I, I was just messing around. I actually like Lamelo a lot. Lamelo is a basketball genius. Yeah, he's that's, a basketball that's genius. Translate, I think, like right away, you're going to see just I, a couple of plays a game that are just like, wow, this guy. You know, if he's able to put it all together. But I also I, think like he's going to shoot like two of sixteen. You know, like a lot. I got to bat back against the basketball genius stuff. No, I mean, he really is. I mean, he, no, like, no, 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 he understands no, no. the geometry of the court. Here's the it's thing. It's a font, sure. I'm not it's calling a you a basketball line. genius if you shoot in the mid-30s. I'm not calling you a basketball genius if you play no defense. I'm not calling you a basketball genius if you just played in Australia and your team went 5-23. and 23. I'm just, well, he didn't I'm play just not ready those. to call him a basketball well, genius yet. The Australia His court vision much, is man. awesome, though, and, and I love yeah. watching the he, guy he play. He has elite feel. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I'm not ready to throw out the basketball genius term yet for him. I think he has a ton of talent, though, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing him grow and develop. But I just think there's going to be a lot of growing and developing to do. Well, the the physical thing with the jump shot is awful. 
I, I hate that, like, that clip that, I think Charlotte even put it out where he did the crossover pull-up. Yeah. And I was like, ew, that thing came from from his ankles, and it was a winding sort of clockwork. It was, ugh, the form was, was disgusting. But what I do like about him, um, more so than his brother, which is the obvious comparison, is Lonzo's not a guy who's going to initiate and pick and roll a lot for you. Right, like, totally. he's good at the quick hitters. He's amazing at transition. Obviously, he's an incredible cutter and all of that. But, like, on the ball, I don't think <laughs> – no pun intended. I don't think he's as good as LaMelo is on the ball already. Yeah. Right? Like, just LaMelo has a great offense hand. from the point of attack. He is – he's special, man, mm-hmm. in that sense. Right. He, of course, he needs to develop at the very – worse a reliable like 17 footer um but i'm excited to watch him play for sure he's got that Uh, little set shot three that's not bad like his feet don't do crazy stuff it's just you know when he's moving off the dribble it's just it's a crap shoot and they've got to they've got to solve that but he's he's gonna shoot and that's half the battle right like there is no confidence issue with him like his coach is not gonna be begging him now i gotta i gotta i gotta i want to talk about another rookie because i think that the best rookie this year is going to be Obi Toppin. I'm with you. I mean, he's, he's just re- looks ready to play, which we shouldn't be surprised by. Uh, physically, he's not outmatched. He's going to score. I think he's going to get minutes. I, I think he's going to. He's got a good shot at Rookie of the Year, Was. Yeah, he's going to have opportunities for sure. Uh, in or- like to to play. And to do whatever he wants on offense. And, you know, a lot of times rookie of the year is just counting stats. Whoever has the biggest, the most, the the best of them is, is going to end up winning. And I think in New York, where it's really just him and RJ, uh, he's going to have his opportunities. The other guy I want to throw in the mix, Isaac Okoro. I, yeah. I love Isaac Okoro's game. He's the only one of the rookies who has a game winner already. Preseason. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, but but I just think Cleveland needed a, a wing with some toughness. And so I think he'll play a ton of minutes right away. I think he's advanced enough as a creator that he'll get to touch the ball and do some scoring and do a lot of fun things. I, I think Okoro will be up there. I'm not sure he'll have the stats of Obi Toppin, and he definitely won't have the flash of LaMelo Ball. But, but I like Okoro a lot. I'm really, really high on him. And I also – like – I went hard on LaMelo Ball, but I actually, like, I really like him a lot. He would have been my number one pick, but I'm just not ready to label him a genius quite yet. Sorry, guys. <laughs> All right, Trey, I'm Le putting Ball you on the spot. After me. I'm putting you on the spot, Trey. Who gets the number one seed in the East? Who's the best regular season team in the East this year? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
I'm asking a question. Um, despite the IG lives. In my past life, like I said, I was you. I'm gonna say Brooklyn. <laughs> and despite, despite the defense, the IG lives. <laughs> I, I don't see the path without the defense. I I think the Bucks are gonna be the one seed again, right? I think that what they do during the regular season it works. They're not going to switch it up. It'll still work during the regular season. So I think that you could probably book it. Like they're going to they're going to be the number 1 seed. Yeah, I would tend to agree when you consider the continuity um and I think Giannis more so than pretty much every other superstar is this like most consistent in effort. Right? Like he just doesn't have games where he's out of it or he's just not trying as hard as you know he's capable of. And so when you combine that with just, you know, they do have the pieces for a regular season system. You know, when you play the Knicks, a drop coverage is great. When you play Charlotte, it's going to be great. When you play, like, when you play basically 85% of the league, what they do on defense and the surrounding parts um, is great and and is going to yield a bunch of wins. So you're probably right about win total. I think Miami's still going to be working out stuff with the rotation. Uh I think guys are going to rest a little bit more because, again, they're on a two-month turnaround like the Lakers are. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you Will, with, with Milwaukee, but watch out for Philly for sure because they got something to prove, and I think Doc Rivers is going to be – the roster's improved, but I think Doc Rivers is an improvement at coaching too. I, I think that – I'm with you. I think Philly is like two or three seed. Uh, one of the things about Miami that, that uh, makes me lower on their regular season, I don't think they're finished with their roster yet. I mean, it's pretty obvious to me that they're going to try. Well, obviously, to find... they didn't get Giannis yet. But... <laughs> right there, you go. But like, <laughs> I think that they're going to want a, a Jay Crowder, you know, uh, addition like they had last year. Yeah, I just wonder: has Bud learned like it's useless to do that stuff? You know, the drop coverage the whole season, right? Like, right. I mean, I don't. We, know. we understand that they could beat the Knicks by fifty in in February doing that, but mm-hmm. and and honestly, like you got Drew Holiday, who is this guy. Who like is this really versatile defender? I mean, I think just watching him stay in front of players in a way that like almost no other guard can do, you know, yeah. on, on switches. You know, having him chase around screens like Bledsoe was awesome at. Uh-huh. I just think that's like useless. And I mean, I, I agree with you. If they stick with that formula, they're absolutely going to be the the number well, one. Seed th- again. Think about wonder- Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday, and Giannis running aggressive traps when you need it the way that Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis used to do. Like you've got options. So hopefully we'll see that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced we will. I do worry about their bench a little bit. Like just, just watching their preseason and reading some of the coverage, a lot lot of Bobby Portis involved in uh, (laughs) Bobby Portis Jr. No. So it's Bobby Portis time. That's right. There's going to be a lot of flexing with Bobby Portis in the lineup, man. (laughs) All right. As we wrap, Here's the question that that actually matters. Who is winning the Eastern Conference Finals? Who's going to be in the finals from the East? We're, we'll go around the table as we as we wrap up. Jay, who's your pick for the finals? This is for Zach Harper, man. Miami. Rich? I hate to agree with Jay. You know, that's always a bad, <laughs> bad sign. But I, I think, like, yeah, it's, it's a toss-up with all of these teams. But I think you give the edge to the group that uh, – that showed they're going to do it. And I think Bam is going to get a lot better this year. So I'll go Miami too. Trey. Uh, so I chose Brooklyn for regular season record. 
Um, the playoffs are absolutely different. I'm going to have to lean towards Miami as well. Wow. All right, Waz. I hate to do this, um, but we just recorded a restricted area yesterday where we tackled this very subject, and I give a like a a, a sort of spoiler <laughs> alert type of answer, and I don't want to spoil it. So please subscribe to the Athletics YouTube show and watch the restricted area when it comes out on <laughs> Thursday, and I'll have I'll have my Eastern Conference answer. I think it's going to surprise you guys. That's a plug. Uh, I'm going to go. Finger, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to go away from everybody. And I'm going to say Philly for a lot of the reasons that Waz mentioned. And and I think that uh, they this, finally have shooters on their team. Like, you know, <laughs> construct yeah. a normal NBA roster, mm-hmm. right? Like put shooters around your young guys who excel around the paint. It's like, holy moly. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's. Obviously, we can sit here and say, hey, just get some shooters. But they actually did it. And, and I like what they did. And uh, I think, I mean, Maxi has a chance to be pretty good early. Uh, I'd like to see him get early minutes with, with their veteran guys and, and see if he might be a guy who's ready to contribute a little bit once they get to the playoffs. Uh, but Philly is my pick. I'm probably too high on Philly, given you know how things have played out the last few years. But Man, that, they that, scorned me too bad last year. I'm not taking you back. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> all not, right. I'm not taking you back. I'm, this time I'm, is final. The breakup is final. I'm surprised right. we were most of us were on the same team because I think the top six in the East are just like any of them could win. Yeah, it's gonna be a dog fight. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how, how the condensed schedule plays into all this too, because I have a feeling we're gonna see more injuries. There's certainly it's gonna, be gonna, a gonna be a backyard brawl. <laughs> Can you come up with any got any, any other cliches, Waz? It's going to be a rock fight, Waz. It's going to be a rock fight. Every team's going to have to give 110%. That's right. Scratching and clawing. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for the Basket Buds. Uh, don't Throwing forget. Haymakers. Oh, my God. Tampering, they're going to do the Eastern Conference. They're going to do 10 questions about the Western Conference. And then uh, we're going to we're doing previews all this week, so make sure you check those out. Go subscribe to the Athletic YouTube channel. Check out the Restricted Area with Waz and Zach. It's always excellent uh, for everybody. For Jay, Rich, Waz, Trey, I'm Dave, and we'll talk to you later. You know what? That that can't come off. That can't come off. You get know what I mean? I do. You're right. That can't come off. Like I'm trying to implement myself. Just okay. So what about? So what about seven post-ups instead of eight? I mean, we negotiated that thing. I thought we was gonna do two and a half, but two and a half post-ups a game. The half one is like I throw you the ball in the post, you just throw it right right out. There. No, but I'm also saying I feel like every play down I have a miss, no matter who's there. Yeah, we gonna see though. I think four and a half works, like eight. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I got another question.